Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. Pro-America Report on The Answer San Diego. Welcome to the Pro-America Report. Great to be with you tonight. And for those of you listening in San Diego, it's always a long weekend when we're apart. From from Friday night until Monday night. If you're watching on Periscope, folks are uh, enjoying the program on Periscope. What you need to know, which is uh, the the beginning of every show, we talk a lot about a lot of things, uh, but we come around to what you need to know. And it's an echo of the daily email that goes out to uh, every morning to thousands and thousands of Americans that have gone to Ed Martin Live com and signed up and if you go to edmartinlive.com you'll see the show you'll see the sign up there you get signed up and there if you're watching on periscope a lot of folks watch the beginning of the show on periscope it's called uh, at eagle ed martin is my handle and it's uh, what you need to know and so you can tune in there now let me talk to you about the, num- the number one thing is going to be to talk about China. I need to talk to you about China. Before I get to that, lots of news. And if you're not watching the president's press conferences, you're missing the most important, as I said three weeks ago, the most important presidential communications since the um, advent of the fireside chats. You see, the fireside chats of the president of President Roosevelt had the ability to frame the issue for weeks and months. Sometimes, if you go back and look at the fireside chats of FDR, they happened. I think the first one was in thirty-three in March, nineteen thirty-three, and there wasn't another one for four or five months. But the nature of the media back then was that FDR's uh, very, you know, kind of groundbreaking radio addresses had the ability of becoming fodder for the newspapers, fodder for uh, uh, month, uh, weekly uh, magazines, monthly magazines. It got mailed all across the country, was reused again and again. That's what FDR did. Donald Trump is doing that with his press conferences. So if you're not watching the press conferences, you are watching them as he drives the agenda through all the rest of the news. It's achieving extraordinary popularity, by the way. Um, he, he, he said the other day he liked saying that it was uh, up over the ratings for uh, Monday Night Football. But here's the thing you need to know. When you watch them, and last night, Sunday night, was one of the most extraordinary ones to watch, you get all the details. He, he has stepped into the role as commander-in-chief in this war, and he's very sort of serious about it. So when you watch Donald Trump at his press conference, you see... Uh, a guy who conveys, conveys a lot. He shares the stage a lot. He's bringing a lot to the table. Last night, I just want to cut through all this to tell you one thing. This isn't even what you need to know. Last night, he revealed that we're going to have to stay sort of um, stay uh, limited in our travel, social distancing for at least uh, till the end of April. And that was a big shift. Now, just let me walk you through this. It's important for you to know. He, for two weeks now, he has been saying there's 15 days. In fact, Mike Pence, every time Mike Pence spoke, he had that one page sheet that he would hold up that said 15 days to slow the spread. Well, 15 days was today. And what the president had said 10 days ago was, well, we'll get to the 15th day and we'll tell you what happens. Right. And we'll look at the data again. So he was hoping it was 15 days because 15 days in your mind feels not so bad. And a few days ago, Donald Trump said, well, I'd like it to open up by Easter. And everybody said, oh, my gosh, Easter, Easter. You can't do that. Can't do that. The experts say you can't do that. And Trump said, well, we'll listen. To, I'll listen to the experts. Let's just see. Last night in the in the Rose Garden, as the president um, 
address the nation and address the press. And it was extraordinary setting. He basically admitted that he had to listen to the advisors and they said it has to be at least 30 more days. And so he's moved the uh, the end line twice. And if you don't like the president, you say, oh, my gosh, it's terrible. He's moved the end line twice. If you see what he's doing, which is what I think uh, I do, you recognize that he's trying to hold us together. Because the initial fear was, oh, my gosh, why are we doing this? And it was, well, 15 days. And then he said, well, maybe by Easter. And now he's saying, no, we have to wait 30 days. Now, again, what I would say is watch New York. Watch New York and see and understand what's going on. I've talked often on the program. My wife is a physician, a medical, uh, excuse me, a a. Um, um, she is a uh, internal medicine geriatrics physician. She's on the front lines and she has uh, talked to talking to her friends. It's very scary what's happening. It's very scary what's happening. And it's happening across the country. It's it's growing in, 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 in intensity. However, what we're seeing and we are a lot better prepared than uh, other nations. Don't let anybody tell you that we are slow or anything. We're much better prepared. We're getting control of this. But it's nasty. It's a nasty bug. It's a nasty thing. And for those of you that have been uh, paying attention for a long time, I keep saying our job is vigilance. I do trust Donald Trump, but we have to be vigilant. We have to be vigilant that any of the things that are happening are temporary and as fast as they can, they are lifted so we can get back to our lives. That's our job. We, the people, have to be vigilant, but we have to be smart about it. All right. But that's not even what you need to know. I want to start the week uh, because I think this is so important to lay a marker down. And, and, and you know, it's, it's something that's been percolating for a long time. But Senator Hawley, Josh Hawley of Missouri, had a piece out today uh, that he wrote, uh, and it got me thinking about it and the need to talk about it. But, you know, it's now becoming clear that China lied to us. They didn't just lie to us before this virus. They didn't just lie to us during, but they're lying to us now. And here's the lesson I want to draw for you, because it, it's, uh, it seems to me this has been lost, even by the president's uh, efforts to get a deal with China. The Chinese communists, the best place to go, by the way, to watch this is the Epic Times. Go to the Epic Times. Our friends there write about this all the time with firsthand experience. The Chinese communists, the communists, right? The regime of China is communist. We used to understand what that meant in America. We used to have people that appreciated what that meant. We understood that their their focus, it was like Alinsky. Until Americans really learned what Alinsky was doing, you know, what Saul Alinsky was teaching, and what, and what uh, similarly, by the way, uh, the um, Islamic fundamentalists, the jihadists were doing, until we realized that these folks... In their very core of what they do, they lie to us. They lie to people. They lie to people. If you're a fundamentalist Muslim in Islam, they lie to who they call infidels, which is anyone that isn't with them. If you're the Sololinskis, you're coached on lying as part of your approach. Well, what you need to know today is the Chinese are lying to us. They're communist and that's what they do. It's in the it's in their teaching of what they believe. World communism is against everything else. Its goal is to dominate. And what we're living in right now and the fear and this is one this is the one area where some of my friends that are so mad at what's happening, I agree completely, understanding that the Chinese want to crash the American economy. They want to drive us apart. Now, I think we're united more than we ever have because we're worried about what's happening, but we have to be careful. And my, my, my point here is it's time 
for us to decouple from China. 100%. They've cheated. You know, in San Diego, our listening audience, so many folks are aware of Qualcomm uh, and Qualcomm's great company and Qualcomm's many patents. The Chinese have cheated American patent holders. They've cheated American technology companies. They, and, and they have been complicit, by the way, as the president says, with American policymakers of both parties and the Chamber of Commerce and everybody else that chased the dollars, chased the profits around the world against our interests. And again, my point here is I'm saying this now. We have other things we're worrying about. In a few minutes, we'll talk with Selena Zito at Selena Zito on Twitter. And then we'll talk with Brett Decker about what he Brett Decker, who lived over in China. And we'll talk about the world uh, politics. But Selena Zito has been visiting communities in the center of America, as she always does, and writing about it. But what I'm saying, I'm bringing this up now, the decoupling with China, because we must make it an ongoing priority. And you're watching some of the pieces, the $2.2 trillion stimulus, as the dog meat in that stimulus goes to big businesses and others, a lot of them are still in the tank with China. And it's really uncommon, actually, for American businesses to be willing to stand up to China because there's so much money there and there's so much market there and there's so much cheap labor there. Well, this has to be the Wuhan virus, the China virus. A lot of our friends at the Epic Times call it the uh, CCP virus, you know, the Chinese Communist Party virus. We have to use this crisis to recognize we must decouple. We've got all kinds of fights we're having, and I, I, I don't, I'm not saying that we now have to start uh, moving off of the battles in terms of health care. Lots and lots of folks. Last week, uh, late, late in the week, we talked on our program with um, uh, Cecilia Desaunier, who in Tennessee, with a bunch of moms, started producing patriotic masks out of cloth, a double double uh, cotton cloth that is good enough, I guess, to do something. And they're sending it to folks. Look, there's a million things we can do to take care of each other. We have to do it. There's a million ways we have to be vigilant. At the end of today's program, I'm going to tell you about judges. The U.S. Senate is facing over 30-plus judges that are sitting there that need to be confirmed. We have to have a vision for how we can get our Senate to do their job. Late last week, I talked, to Tom, I talked about Tom Massey. I sent out an email this morning, Tom Massey, who was heroic in his stand to try to make our members be accountable. If you want to vote for the stimulus, this, the dog meat stimulus, be accountable for it. Let us see your name. The idea of voting voice vote, and then people will later say, oh, I wasn't really for it. I was, let's, let's make sure. Let's make sure. And Tom Massey had the courage to do that. I, I'm, I'm an old friend of Tom Massey's. I believe in Tom. But what you need to know right now is the world communists in China have a plan to destroy us. You know, the Monroe Doctrine will be celebrating its 200th anniversary in a few years. I think it's 1823, so it would be 2023. And the Monroe Doctrine was President Monroe saying, stay out of our hemisphere to the foreign influence. Well, now, and we, by the way, through the Cold War, we said to the Soviet communists, stay out of our hemisphere. The Chinese communists are in our hemisphere. They're all over the place trying to destroy our country. That's what they want. That's what you need to know. It's a piece of what's happening, but it's a big piece of what we must do on the other side. So uh, that's what I wanted to share with you. Now, we're going to the program will continue. The radio program will continue. If you're watching on Periscope, thank you for listening. I'll wrap things up when we go to break here. But uh, don't forget, at Eagle Ed Martin on Twitter, you can follow. And we will take a quick break from the radio. When we come back, we'll have Selena Zito. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. We'll be right back. Ed Martin and the Pro-America Report. On The Answer San Diego. 
Welcome back. It's Ed Martin here in the Pro-America Report. The uh, official uh, columnist for the Pro-America Movement is Selena Zito, at Selena Zito uh, on uh, uh, Twitter and selenazito.com. Go there and sign up and she'll send you an email. Uh, welcome back, Selena. How are you? I'm swell. How are you? Just, you know, living the uh, dream in quarantine. Yeah. That's right, exactly. The uh, I'm so pleased. A year ago, I took my family to Italy, and we spent like 10 days in Italy, and one of the places we went, obviously, was Venice. And, you know, quarantine, the word, comes from Venice, where they used to make people visiting, sailors visiting, they made them go on some island or something for 40 days, quaranta. And so I've been telling my kids, they're so sick of hearing me tell them the word quarantine comes from Venice, where we were last year. But anyway, besides that, now, Selena, I, I liked your piece earlier in the, I guess it was... Um, I guess it was this week. I don't know, two days ago. Yeah, it was on Waffle House. And so walk us through the Waffle House column. It's up at WashingtonExaminer.com, and I'll uh, I'll put it up on social media. But tell us about that one. Yeah, it's one of my several favorite that I've done in the past week, just going around the country. The other one was the drive-in that the church did, that, that, that yeah. a local church turned into a sermon or a place to uh, worship. But so Waffle House, uh, there is there's this thing called the Waffle House Index. It's uh, an unofficial official index um, contrived by the federal government to indicate how a area is doing after a disaster, like a tornado or a flood or a hurricane or you know some sort of catastrophic event. And the uh, red index means that um, Waffle Houses are closed. Something that rarely happens. You rarely have a red index, a Waffle House red index. It's typically yellow, which means all are open, or I mean green, which means all are open, or yellow, which means they're open but with limited hours. And right. so they're sort of known for also never having their doors locked. They're open 24 right. hours. You get a good meal, you get a lot of food, and uh, for a good price. Well, last late last week, I was driving to uh, Gettysburg, or not Gettysburg, to Chambersburg, and I saw that the Waffle House was closed, and I was just sort of stunned. I've never seen a closed Waffle House, and I've covered hurricanes and floods and tornadoes. And um, so I called the company and said, yeah, of all 2,000 stores um, in 25 states, We've had to close 400 of them. Now, they said they worked. The closing was temporary, um, but this was because, you know, that, that, that it was untenable to be able to, um, to keep the employees on because the service had dramatically um, just fallen because, you know, they're mostly known for going inside and getting your hash browns scattered or smothered or you know, covered in in sausage gravy. So um, that was, you know, that was kind of a bummer. Well, you you know things are bad when a Waffle House is closed, even if it's temporary. When you talk to the uh, to the executives, or I don't know who you got to, probably a PR person, yeah. did they? I mean, did they? What was their? Uh, I mean, if they stayed open in uh, in hurricanes, I guess that it's the nature of what we're facing is why, right? Yes, it's absolutely right. So even in in the case of a hurricane, um, there's still people around, and you know, for the most part, they're not carrying any disease. They're not carrying something that's communicable, and and so the Waffle Houses are able to stay open and 
and they actually you know serve as a place for um, you know police officers and 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 um, people that are you know serving the doctors and nurses and and the people that are coming in to bring supplies you know there's this sort of beacon that's there to feed those people and they just you know because of social distancing because of takeout and because of um, highly concentrated areas that are having the disease those are the the areas where they close the waffle houses it's uh, we're talking with Selena Zito again at Selena Zito dot uh, com and at Selena Zito on Twitter. All right. I was uh, off the air as we got ready to come on. I was asking you about the next story and you da- you were down in Gettysburg. I mentioned that my wife and I before the Virginia did a full on uh, whatever stay at home order. Uh, we went over to the Manassas uh, National Park. And now the main the main headquarters the building was closed. There was a couple of rangers there, but there was a bunch of uh, people and everybody walked around. And, you know, I, my my kids, a couple of my kids have studied the Civil War a couple were too young so there was uh plenty to cover and plenty to see and it was uh it was a beautiful day but tell me you were down in gettysburg what was it like to be down at gettysburg and you're getting ready to write a column file a column later today uh later tonight or early tomorrow we'll put it up on social media but tell me what you found at gettysburg well, you found a lot of people, you know, Gettysburg is one of the biggest, largest battles in the Civil War. It's also the turning point of the Civil War. It's when, um, despite the uh, Confederate har- Army having the superior generals, uh, things began to turn in the direction for um, the Union at that battle. Uh, and and so people look at, people went there uh, to, to to reflect on the sacrifice that people made to defend the Union and, um, you know, and to consider the sacrifices that our people are making today uh, to, to preserve us as well. Uh, it's not as stark as it was during the Civil War. We were literally fighting each other. Uh, but this still is um, a, a disaster, and it is... There's going to be unknown amount of people impacted by it, and it's going to uh, um, impact our society. That little town of Gettysburg was never the same again, and the same can be said for our society. It's going to change, um, and some things will change dramatically. The other thing we forget about um, during the Civil War era and during Lincoln's presidency is that, you know, Lincoln went back to Gettysburg just three months after that big battle and um, gave the Gettysburg Address. And at the time, nobody said, wrote much of anything in praise of that speech. That speech was not thought of as important until, you know, till the 1890s, almost 30 years later. And he was mocked for it in the New York press. And he took a lot of heat during the Civil War. During, you know, people forget how much the editorials were against Lincoln during the Civil War from the North in the Union. So, um, you know, there is presidents. You know, we look at Lincoln today, and everybody thinks, "Oh, in unison, everyone loved him." That's not the case. Presidents get receive a lot of criticism during times of crisis, and Lincoln was. You know, not a dog at that. 
Um, we're, we're, um, we're talking with Selena Zito. Selena, how do you think you observed a lot? I mean, one of the things really for the last, I'd say five years, I rely on you. And I think a lot of people do to read your stuff because you're out talking to you sort of, you've, you're like the, you're like the political, like, um, uh, Damon Runyon of middle America, you know, and you're talking, I'm reading a biography of Damon Runyon by Jimmy Breslin actually. And so, but you, you listen to a lot of folks. And a lot of them are sort of MAGA types or people that have sort of been felt a little bit left behind. How are they handling the idea of 30, 60, 90 days of staying at home? I mean, a lot of the MAGA folks that I know are getting antsy. And how do you think they're handling this? Um, I think for the most part, the antsy people are the ones I see on Twitter. And while um, people are, of course, frustrated and, of course, so, you know, want their right to go back to normal and are, and are of course, afraid for the future. Um, they are all also thinking about ways to help other people. You know, even someone in the circumstances I have found are wondering about worrying about other people. And, and right. the last thing, by the way, that people want to talk about right now is politics. They hmm. really don't want to talk about politics. They really are. They, they think this is the wrong time to talk about it. And, you know, President Trump, this would shock half of my, no, 90% of my peers. Um, people right. think for the most part the president's doing a good job. Uh, yeah, I think so. Uh, but I mean, what happens? I, I guess you're right. Uh, it just feels maybe you're right. Maybe the people that we're hearing from that are complaining are the sort of Twitter verse. It just it, it, yeah. it, it worries me to it worries me to say, I mean, I, for the first time today, I did three different calls to some friends and how you doing? And the answer from all three was, well, my brother's laid off. Uh, my sister-in-law ha- got her hours cut. And I thought, huh, this is going to start getting harder, um, not easier. I mean, we know that, but um, but yeah. it's it's a lot. Anyway, I got to run. Unfortunately, Selena, I'm sorry. I, I, I've got up a break. I'm got in my ear. But Selena Zito, go to selenazito.com. Sign up. You can, she'll send you an email when she writes, which is like every other hour. And uh, and go to at Selena Zito on Twitter. Um, and thanks, Selena, as always. Thanks so much for having me on. Okay, we'll talk again soon. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. We'll be right back. Ed Martin and the Pro-America Report. On The Answer, San Diego. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. Our guest is our old friend, Dr. Brett M. Decker, New York Times bestselling author. And, uh, well, he's not a retired journalist. He still does write uh, all over the place, especially on the USA, USA Today uh, op-ed page. You'll see him there. And he's a professor at Defiance College. Welcome back, Dr. Decker. How are you, sir? Okay. Just, uh, right, looking at the news, concerned like everybody else. And, right, hoping we pull out of this this soon for everyone's health, but also the health of the economy. That's that's something I'm really worried about right now. Well, and I first let me ask you about uh, you're a Detroit boy, and I, you know, I've been I've been uh, recently on uh, Breitbart um, uh, Radio with uh, Rebecca Mansour, one of the senior editors there, and she, of course, is also from Detroit. So I sort of because of her, I've been watching closely uh, Detroit and uh, Michigan being pretty hit pretty hard. I mean, what do you have to what do you know about that? And have you heard from many folks in in your old home, you know, boyhood home? What, what's the status up there? Yeah, you know, I think what they're worried about mostly with Michigan, because that's starting to come up as like a sort of a big target area for where uh, the government and health officials are focusing. I think what they're looking at are, um, you know, big cities 
um, where uh, they have sort of, uh, you know, big urban centers, right, are dirty anyway. Just so many people in such a limited space, right? Lots of rats that carry germs. I mean, they're not spreading this as far as we know, like they did the plague. But, you know, you have a concentration of people in an area where there's poverty. And with poverty, a lot of the services aren't as good, hospital services, um, you know, sanitation, things like that. So I think they're looking at, I mean, so big places like Detroit or like right New York, I think they're looking at these as being trouble areas. So I think that's, I think that's a reason for concern there. Right. So I think, I think in a lot of ways, right. We, we see people who are in a bad place, a bad situation. And I think, I think one, one aspect of, of this current crisis is, um, I think one aspect of this current crisis, it's kind of reminding us about another segment of the population that is usually kind of overlooked a lot of the time anyway. Um, and now we're we're worried about it because you might have large numbers of people dying for the same conditions that right, you have a virus inserted into it. But it's the same poverty and health, uh, you know, poor health conditions that, that exist every day. So I think, right, I think that's that's what you see developing in some places. Um, well, and you, 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 I, the, I guess the thing that's scary about D- Detroit is a couple of the hospitals up there. It didn't feel like it had I, why it would be in Detroit. In fact, when I said this to Rebecca Mansour, she said, well, Detroit still is a center for a lot of commerce. So you get a lot of traffic from China. And so there was, you yeah. know, there was probably some contamination. But the numbers of the Detroit hospitals are, are, you know, you don't see as much coverage. They're like they're a little bit like New York and they're a little bit like some of the other places in terms of the uh, overburdening the system is the problem. Them, right yeah and you know and they they think and we don't know this yet right if it's true or not there's so much about this it's guesswork or speculation that you know they're, they're hoping in the spring when the flu season usually passes it gets warmer and wetter that uh the virus has a harder time living in those those environments well detroit you know michigan is up there on the border with canada it's colder so if they're right about this idea of heat and humidity being bad for the virus, well, up in these northern climates where um, it's cold, perhaps the virus can last longer and and, and, and spread easier, right? I, I don't know. I'm not a biologist other than from what we hear uh, from, from scientists and doctors, what they're telling us, um, some places, up, uh, some, some northern places, especially with high concentrations of population, you know, you have a lot of people who are going to places for shelter and meals and, and support, um, which is important, right? That's life-giving. But in this in, in this kind of bizarre world with this awful virus, going somewhere where you, where you need to go to get help also could be where you catch catch this this virus too, right? So, um, so, so difficult situation. How is the uh, how is the um, adjustment? Uh, you're a professor at. Uh, we're talking with Dr. Brett M. Decker, professor at uh, Defiance College. How's the adjustment been at school? I mean, so many folks are adjusting to uh, you know, student uh, school age kids, younger kids. You got all these college kids that were there, and then suddenly they're gone, and you're doing distance learning. How's the adjustment been? You know, I think the school help, like the school handle it very well. Like they were on top of it. Um, took a bunch of preventative, uh, preemptive measures that I think were good that, like in hindsight with everything, um, just like uh, the president, the you know, President Trump's travel ban, everyone thought he was, you know, jumping on the gun. 
you know, here um, a lot of steps were taken ahead of the game, and people were wondering if this is this uh, is this too dramatic. And then, right in hindsight, oh no, not at all. That was the right thing to do. Um, so I think I think anything when you transition, right, you transition not with no planning from. Um, uh, you know, in, in, in person interaction to something online, there's going to be some discomfort in the beginning. So I think, you know, getting that right is going to be some wrinkles to get ironed out. But um, um, I think fac- faculty is- students have a pretty good relationship here. So I think, I think, I think, I think, I think it's a lot easier at a small liberal arts school that has a lot more of a personal touch. I don't know how you would do it at these big universities that have hundreds of people in their classes and things, right? I mean, right. How, how, how do you pull that off? At least at least we have flexibility to adapt as a, as a smaller uh, smaller college. Yeah. Um, I, earlier in the program, we're talking with uh, Dr. Brett M. Decker. I, I was talking about China. At this point, is, is there uh, – let me ask you just straight. Does, is there anything China doesn't lie about? Um, yeah, there is one thing they don't lie about, and that is that – Right, they're a, a energetically muscular, atheistic government, and uh, if you express any religious faith, they're going to crush you. They're pretty honest about that, uh, you know. So people forget that, like religious persecution in China is getting worse, not getting better, just because we're not paying attention to it as much. Um, but yeah, I mean, right, this this case we saw of uh, just one mortuary in Wuhan getting 500. Uh, burial urns in one day and you know there's seven or eight of those in wuhan and right they're saying they haven't had any new ones okay well it's not what the evidence shows <laughs> um but you know i, I that doesn't worry you know the, the numbers they've, they've like they've had a 25 percent contraction in contracting and 14 percent in investment um already over there those are huge number and a uh, huge numbers considering uh, this thing's not that old yet, right? So, um, you know, I guess it's the epicenter, so it's going to be dramatically quick there. But what I worry about the Federal Reserve today, you probably saw this, predicted that perhaps 32% of the country could be unemployed. Um, right. Uh, like tens of millions, 40-something million people without jobs in this country. Um, you know, hopefully that wakes people up to, look, we have we have competing uh, interests we have to look after. Yes, we definitely have to look out for the health of, of people, but also a, a depression is only going to make more people die. I mean, I, you know, it's not, um, so we have to balance all these different, very important competing interests, right? The economy isn't just about greed. It's also about, uh, you know, uh, income and, and, and productivity. Well, I, I, yeah, livelihoods I, I, too. And I think I think that there has to be pretty quickly. Somebody has to make really clear. Uh, it's not a, also it's not an either or. I mean, there's plenty of healthy young people, or younger people, or whatever that can uh, that can go back to work or can start to be, you know that we. I mean, it can't be it can't be that we wait until some date in the future and everybody goes back. I understand the intensity of what's happening now. I believe it because of the size of the uh, of the of the um, uh, of the curve into our healthcare system. But pretty soon it's got to be okay if you're under 65 and you don't have diabetes or asthma you can go back to work we better figure that out but there must there needs to be as much effort to figure that out or we will be in a great depression right so i that's what i don't know that i hear yet i tell i tell our listeners all the time be vigilant but you got to start hearing that part of this equation pretty quick 
Yeah, everything is definitely tied, right? So, um, right. I mean, uh, this whole thing goes away if we if 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 there's if there's some uh, solution or cure to coronavirus, or some way to slow it down to make it manageable, right? right? So, um, right. But I mean, uh, having the whole country in lockdown into the summer, um, I'm sorry. That's a, I mean, that's a tailspin. That's going to be worse for everybody. You know, if, yep. if, the, if the economy is, is at a complete standstill, well, you're not going to get respirators. You're going to have uh, right, less mm-hmm. ability to, to, to produce the things you need to help people. So, Yeah. All right. We got to watch it closely. Dr. Brett M. Decker, as always, thank you. We'll talk to you again next week. Brett M. Decker, uh, the New York Times bestselling author and professor at Defiance College. We'll talk again soon. We'll take a quick break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here in the Pro-America Report. Be right back. Ed Martin and the Pro-America Report on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back. Ed Martin here in the Pro-America Report. And thank you for being with us. Always an interesting to come back on Monday. So much to cover. And let me remind you, it's uh, Ed Martin here in the Pro-America Report. You can watch the first segment, if you like doing this, on Periscope. Some people do. I shoot it as a, as a video. It's, it's, it's uh, what do they call it? Simulcast. It's together with the program. So you didn't miss anything if you've been listening the whole time. But at Eagle Ed Martin on Twitter. And go to edmartinlive.com. You'll get my daily emails. Uh, now, I want to finish. Uh, there's a lot to cover. and, and um, But I want to talk to you about something nobody else is seeing except me and soon you and it's very important and that's judges uh, the question of judges so I, I was sitting around saying okay um, my friend Mike Davis who's over at the article 3 project told me <clears throat> last month pardon me <clears throat> about the article 3 projects judiciarytracker.com judiciarytracker.com and so I went over there and it turns out there are 38 Article three judges pending in the U.S. Senate. So you say, okay, 38 judges. Now, most of those, to be honest, are uh, they are um, uh, uh, district court judges. That's not the Court of Appeals, but the trial court. But very important. Right. So if you're in the if you're in the um, uh, eastern district of Missouri, you uh, you would the, the judge there, the federal judges will hear all the trial cases and criminal cases, civil and criminal cases in um in the whole eastern part of the state, eastern district goes from St. Louis all the way over to, to Columbia. And the same thing with the, the, the United States District Court for the Southern District of California. That's the one that goes uh, all the way down south through San Diego. And so the Court of Appeals, people know the Eighth Circuit, the Ninth Circuit, the Eleventh Circuit. But so all of these judges, almost all of them are... Um, district court judges, but they're very important. Don't don't be dissuaded that they're not just because they're not the Court of Appeals and they're pending, which means the president nominated them. And now they're pending. Well, what happens now? The Senate's on this kind of uh, coronavirus, uh, the Wuhan recess, and they're supposed to come uh, back on April 20th, but I don't know if they will. And here's what I want to tell you. This is what I want to float out to you right now. I've checked on this. They have to first have their hearing, have a hearing, and then they have to be voted on by the Judiciary Committee. So the hearing is usually done by the Judiciary Committee, but it can be done by any individual senator if the chairman, who's Lindsey Graham, says they can do it. So my uh, petition to our senators is that immediately the U.S. senators who are from the districts or if it's the Court of Appeals from the the circuit of these nominees um, should be asked if they would hold a hearing. And Lindsey Graham, as chairman, can say, hey, guys, I'm going to ask you I'm give you a chance to do a hearing. If they won't do it, Lindsey could do it up. And, and you don't have, to have anybody present. One senator can convene a, hear, convene a hearing. And he can be more than six feet away from the judge candidate. And they, the staff can have prepared everything. And it can be simulcast. And we can have these hearings. And we should knock out these hearings 
in this period. So the judge, excuse me, the senator can do it close to home. If the senator's in Missouri or California, they can do it close to home. They can call the hearing. The only person that has to travel is the judge, uh, the candidate, and the judge should have to travel. It's okay. Or maybe they could do it uh, uh, by internet. I don't, I mean, by uh, uh, video link up. I'm not sure it matters. But here's my point. Keep doing your jobs. We already know everybody is in a spot where we have to social distance and all. You guys can keep doing your, and gals, can keep doing your job on judges. And you should do that. So that the 38 judges in the next three weeks should have their hearings before the Senate, whatever senator convenes it, it'll all be on videotape. If judges have questions that they need asked, excuse me, if senators have questions they need asked, they can get them, either deliver them to the senator who's holding the hearing, or they can ask them via via video link up. Remember, the, the, the hearings are not for the whole body, the U.S. Senate, they're for the Judiciary Committee. And there has, has been in the past single judge, single senators who hold a hearing. And now here comes the tough part. And then uh, Lindsey Graham should notice up the Judiciary Committee that they're going to vote on these on these judges. And if they have to sit six feet apart in the Senate Judiciary Committee hearing room, they should sit six feet apart and, and then apart from the judge and they should do their job and they should vote on them and they should vote on all 38 of these. There's nothing else happening. There's nothing else happening in the Senate or any of the committees. They're not working on budgets. They're not working on the next uh, wasting stimulus bill. None of that's happening. And so we want these judges to be handled, to be their, their matters to be handled immediately. We don't want time to pass. And we don't want the, the senators to go home and sit on their hands and think of crazy things to do that would take away our liberties or anything else. So I think they, I think it's a great idea. So, again, each senator. So if you have a, a nominee, I know there's a nominee from the Southern District of Illinois. I know one, but just pick a Southern District of California, Eastern District of Missouri, wherever you are. The Senate. So Josh Hawley should get a call from Lindsey Graham. He say, hey, Lindsey, um, here's what I want you to do, Josh. I want you to hold a hearing for this judge that's been nominated in your Eastern District of Missouri. You're the senator and you can invite people or not invite people. I don't care. Go ahead and have the hearing. And Hawley can do that. He can do it at the courthouse downtown in St. Louis. He could do it at the courthouse in Columbia, Missouri. He could do it where he could do it in the Senate if he wants. It's up to the senator to do it where he wants to do it. But get the hearing done. Get the staff to finish all the background work and get the hearing done. And, you know, there's a ton of background work that has to happen. But the fact is that they they can do that in this interim period by the Internet and by everything else. Most of the work, by the way, is done by the judge. His He and his sponsor have to put together all the work. So it, at that point, we get that done and then we for, force the Judiciary Committee to take those votes. The next challenge will be Mitch McConnell in the Senate. But I asked someone, I made some calls today, and they said it's going to be very difficult for the next three or four weeks to do any votes where all the Republicans are needed because three or four of the Republicans are either sick with coronavirus, that's Rand Paul, or they're quarantined uh, because of the exposure, which is, I think, uh, uh, Cory Gardner and maybe a few others. But that's this. We need to do this. We need to keep moving the ball. One of the most important uh, duties that the Senate can do is to advise and consent on judges. And we have a Republican president. We have a Republican Senate and they need to do their job. If we they don't do their job in this time, it will be a missed opportunity and it will be a shame, a big shame, important. It'll be an important 
uh, missed opportunity. It'd be worse than a missed opportunity. It would be a blot on the otherwise incredible record of the Republican Senate on judges. And so I'm asking you all, first of all, I want you to be aware of this. I want you to be aware of this issue because I think it's an important one. And I also want you to be aware of the strategy, be aware of the strategy. And I would say this, I'm not sure how they do it. Maybe the Senate has to vote. They had to vote. They didn't look like they were social distancing there, but the the Senate would have to, if the Senate has to vote in some way that's uh, unorthodox from what they've done in the past because of this, you know, world war, uh, you know, virus, world war virus that we're fighting, then they'll have to figure it out. But we cannot, we don't want to abuse our constitution, by the way, I'm not asking for that, but we, we should not, all these committee hearings and committee meetings, those are not in the constitution. The votes in the constitution advise and consent, but all the rest of that's a warm up, and they, they need to get on with it. And there, there is precedent for this. What I'm suggesting, there's precedent just in the ordinary course of the work. A single senator can convene a hearing. That's happened. And so we ought to do that and move ahead. All right. That's my point for you all there. Now, listen, again, let me remind you um, what you need to know at the beginning of the program, the... Um, we need to uh, um, we need to be aware of this China problem. I mentioned it to you, uh, and so be aware of that. I just put up a press release on our website, phyllisschlafly.com. Go there and check out the press release. Go to at Eagle Ed Martin and watch my uh, Periscope today, which is a, 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 um, uh, a running at the same time as the Wink Earl in the show. But pass that on to your friends. We've got to keep that decoupling from China prominently in our, uh, in our thinking as we fight all these fights because we can't let it slip. And a lot of our big companies and others will want to let it slip. We can't let it slip. All right. Um, okay. One more thing I want to make sure I want to make sure to say this. I don't pause enough to say this. You know, we got our great team in San Diego, uh, led by Steve and Randy. Um, but uh, Noah does an unbelievable job. Uh, Todd, uh, helps out an awful lot. All our team there. Uh, Daryl does some great engineering work. It's just a great team effort and led by Noah who does so much work, but in St. Louis also, I want to say thank you to Joanna and to Ryan, uh, who do a ton of work to make sure that the stuff you're hearing we get it blasted all over the uh, the world actually but especially the country and keep uh, building that community so thank you for listening and do me a favor if you appreciate uh, what's happening and what we're doing spread the word Uh, spread the word Uh, you know people need to hear more uh, about what is occurring what we're doing our program so pass it on to other people it helps a lot more than you'd know to spread the word like that so again go to theanswersandiego.com to follow all of our folks especially Andrea Kay and myself uh, but also to get the podcast you can also go to Google um, you go to uh, iTunes and Google Play and get the podcast and uh, come back tomorrow night it's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report we'll talk to you tomorrow night